Today on City Cash Chicago, wherever you look in our city, the story of public housing is one of demolition, displacement, and broken promises. The same is true of the Abla public housing complex on the near west side. When Chicago's plan for transformation was enacted in the early 2000s, Abla, like other developments, was knocked down with promises of new housing. But 20 years later, most of the planned units have not been built and most families never returned. Well, finally, the largest piece of land where the former Abla home stood is set to be developed. But spoiler alert, it's not for affordable housing. It's Wednesday, June 15th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. Is it often referred to as ABLA? I'm out here giving the full acronym. Yeah, people call it ABLA. ABLA is like an acronym for Adams Brooks Loomis Abbott. ProPublica's Mick Dumkey has been investigating the deal to redevelop the ABLA land. I had heard of the Robert Taylor Homes. I heard of Cabrini Green. I wasn't too familiar with the Abla Homes. Can you give me the numbers here? How many families ended up being displaced from the Abla Homes? Sure. So we started off with about 3,600 families uh, were living at Abla around 1999 before all of the, uh, you know, the raising of the buildings and the the so-called transformation plan was put in motion. So flash forward to now, 2022, two decades later, about 1,100 total units are there. So they've only built uh, not even a third of what they promised to build. One thing that you saw the mayor, uh, Mayor Daly, promising people as he would go on these stump speeches for the plan for transformation is that, you know, anybody who wants to come back can come back. Is that a plan that he made or a promise he made to people at the Abla homes? And ultimately, how many people have been able to come back? Yeah, that um, so-called right to return was a promise that was made to everyone around the city. And, mm. you know, I don't know if you're suggesting it, but I'll say it is that it was supposed to be one of the things that made this uh, pill easier to swallow of all the mm-hmm. bringing the wrecking ball to to tens of thousands of units of uh, public and affordable housing around Chicago, you know, that was supposed to be accompanied by, look, we're going to rebuild them, make this better. You're going to have the right to return. But, you know, from the beginning, there were always asterisks to that right to return. You know, you had to be what they called lease compliant, which um, it is what it sounds like. You had to be meeting the terms of your lease, but there were some real restrictions um, on that. And um, at ABLA, 3,600 families who were there around 1999, you know, more than 2,000 families were deemed ineligible to come back. So you're talking Jesus. about- Like off the bat. Just like off just the bat. based yeah. on the, the lease compliance, as you said. That's right. At this point in time, two decades later, fewer than 800 families have exercised their the rights that they had. So out of the total 3,600, you have about 800 who ended up coming back. So for the last 20 years, a lot of the the Abla homes, you know, the, the former Abla homes have, have said vacant. And earlier this year, Mayor Lori Lightfoot announces the city and Chicago Housing Authority are in talks to lease the biggest Abla plot to the Chicago Fire, the city's professional men's soccer team. Can you describe the deal? What, what exactly do the fire want to build? They stress that this would not be for games. This would not be a place where, you know, fans are flocking to the stadium 
uh, for soccer matches. But um, it is supposed to be their facility where the team prepares for games, where they, I think they have an academy where they want to develop talent. And they are clear they want to do this in the city. They want to have some connection with the city and its neighborhoods, which, you know, most people I spoke to find that admirable. But uh, they want it to be done the right way and at what cost, right? So exactly. A, a lot of this, you know, sounds like it will benefit the team for sure. Training facilities closer to where you play in the story. You describe this deal is coming together with uh, and I quote unusual urgency. What you mean by that? Well, what I mean, Jacoby, is that, you know, for 20 years, this land has been vacant. Uh, you haven't seen comparable urgency with the construction of housing. But all of a sudden, this fire thing, um, everybody's hot to trot to move it along. And the fire wants to get going, you know, by fall. And uh, so that's what I meant by the urgency. I just don't think, I think comparing it with the way housing was constructed, and then suddenly the uh, sense of mission with uh, this this deal for the soccer facility it's striking we kind of moved fast through this process and it feels that you know the neighborhood somewhat rejected it but because there weren't maybe as many voices at the table or as many advocates at the table it seems like it moved faster here but how is the mayor and cha saying you know this development would be beneficial for the neighborhood first of all the mayor from what I can tell, I uh, didn't respond directly to my story, first of all. But second of all, um, everything she has said publicly about this and what her team has said and what I've, how I've seen them communicate in like uh, emails that I got through FOIA requests, you know, they want this deal to happen. They want to make the fire happy. They want to make Joe Mansueto, the billionaire owner of the fire, they want to make him happy. He has been an ally of City Hall's before. He is a uh, prominent, influential, and, and well-respected business leader in Chicago. So for all those is reasons- Is he a donor? Is he a donor he, too? He is not, uh, he is not donated to uh, Mayor Lightfoot that I have seen. And yes, I did check. Okay. I had to ask. Of course you do. You know how things work around here. But she, you know, she wants to help him. She would like to keep the team in the city and keep its business in the city. And I think that's, again, that's very understandable. The thing that really strikes me is that their alternatives were all CHA uh, properties, <laughs> which which suggests to me, you know, they're just like, they saw this land as available. Mm -hmm. They weren't thinking about it as land set aside for housing. They were just thinking about it as vacant land that they could offer to the fire. Exactly. That, when reading your story, that was the, one of the things that really was enraging to me is that when we read about these planned developments, so many options are former public housing land, which only reminds the city that over the last 20 years, you didn't do shit with that land that you were supposed to. And in cases like Cabrini Green, for the most part, you just redeveloped it for a new community. Um, and, and so you don't have as much vacant land there, but that's because that land was seen as more desirable, more profitable. Um, no, I, I, th I think you're exactly right. I think that, um, you know, Let's be fair to the CHA and the city. They say that they, uh, they've they learned some of their lessons from the past and that segregating poor people in uh, you know poorly designed housing developments is a losing approach to our affordable housing crisis. And I, but developing non-housing on CHA land as a response to that feels like a conscious decision to 
to ignore the promises that were made. I don't disagree with you at all. I think that, and that was going to be my second point is that, okay, Mm -hmm. we may be able to agree that people shouldn't be isolated. They should be able to live near uh, retail. They should be able to live near other amenities, you know, health clubs. I mean, you know, just like everybody else in Chicago um, should be able to live near these things, get that. And so that's what the CHA stresses when they say, oh, we want to do mixed income, mixed use kinds of development. But you're totally right. I mean, how much more of an announcement by the city hall do you need about their interest in building public and affordable housing than seeing this land and, and sort of giving it away to powerful people who come forward with their hands out? I, it just it just doesn't sit right. Are you self-conscious about your smile? Do you only allow yourself a closed mouth grin? Well, with Aligner Experts, there's no reason for you to diminish your smile. As orthodontists, they have the privilege of witnessing the remarkable transformation of patient smiles, which often translates into a profound boost in their confidence. Yet, there always seems to be a deterrent. I ain't got the time, I don't have the funds. Luckily, Aligner Experts is redefining convenient and accessible clear aligner solutions. With customizable treatments, transparent pricing, and their cutting edge 3D scanners and dental monitoring technology, you can transform your smile through the convenience of your own schedule. Stop in at their West Loop or Lakeview Clinic today for your complimentary smile assessment. Aligner Experts, your destination for advanced clear aligner solutions. P.S. They got another clinic on the way, so stay tuned for their Old Town location. What kind of reaction are you hearing from former Abla residents and, and people in the neighborhood who I think heard about this from like a flyer? The CHA did hold a community meeting just for Abla area public housing residents in early May. And this was one of the requirements I believe they have in order to get federal approval. But even so, a lot of people I talked to uh, either didn't know anything about this or were completely taken by surprise when they did get that flyer and they didn't really understand what all it meant. You know, what is this facility going to mean for the neighborhood, for traffic, anything like that? And, uh, you know, what does it mean for terms of building more housing? So if it's not going to go in this big empty swath of land that the fire is looking at, so where is it going to go? And, And those answers have not been provided yet. These public meetings feel more and more like just the cost of doing business. But the truth is, we're going to do what we want to do is the the message I end up hearing from officials, uh, regardless of the rhetoric they're using. You know, Chicago has 30,000 people sitting on the waiting list for Chicago Housing Authority, 120,000 units short of what we need. We recently talked to Alderwoman Jeanette Taylor about her 30-year wait for a CHA housing voucher. I wanted to play a clip from that conversation and, and hear your thoughts on it. We love having the backdoor deals. Talk in transparency. Be honest with the people. We have this many amount of units. We need to build this amount. And then we can start to put people in housing. Just tell us. We got a foyer stuff. We got to go through all these changes. And we, when we talk about this, people need to understand I won't be paying zero dollars. I won't be paying eight dollars. I'll be paying a percentage of what I make. So let's make that clear. 
this is just so crazy that it's almost unbelievable. 29 years waiting for housing. I had um, been aware of Alderwoman Taylor's story because I interviewed her about six years ago. I was at the Chicago Sun-Times then and doing a story about how the CHA was uh, at that time getting ready to take a victory lap claiming that it had built or rehabbed all 25,000 units that it promised under the plan for transformation. And my story was really about how their math had changed over the years. They were, to get to 25,000, they were including um, all kinds of units of housing that were not part of the original plan. You know, it was apples and oranges with the original promises of the plan for transformation. How does the city try to synthesize or juxtapose both of these truths next to each other? That on one hand, they want to lease 26 acres to a professional sports team while everybody from older women down the line are looking at potentially decades long waiting lists. How can they possibly communicate both of those things simultaneously or or is it a matter of like you said changing the math changing how you interpret the narrative and, and just kind of pushing things through well they're definitely doing the latter uh jacoby they're they've changed the math they changed the narrative along the way you know if we're being fair to them they are going to argue that we need economic development to go along with housing that uh, this could create jobs that this could um you know, this could basically lure other uh, people to invest in the neighborhood, more retail, you know, amenities that will help the both the existing community and uh, other people who might move in subsequently. And they're also saying that they still have a lot of land and that they still plan to build the housing and that they have every intention of, you know, fulfilling their commitments and adhering to the court-ordered uh, number of units they have to build. So they're kind of making saying all these things and, and continuing to make some of the promises. Um, but it really sticks out because, you know, 22 years have gone by and they haven't done what they said uh, they were going to do initially. And at this point in time, I mean, 22 years later, the people were uh, asking these questions about and trying to hold account now weren't even involved in the plan for transformation 22 years ago. And that that's one of the most, like, disheartening and insidious parts is that it's easy to make promises when you know that you're going to pass this buck along to the next leader CHA. I had somebody, you know, tell me, it's like, you know, it's not her fault. And well, the mayor wasn't here for it, but, but that's how the system, the systemic prom problems continue. They just get pawned off to a new administration who doesn't have to take blame for the original problem. But that also means they don't have to be held accountable to to kind of pushing forward with the initial promises. It really feels like we're in a kind of a, a, a cycle that in 22 years, we're going to be like, OK, we've built another, you know, maybe thousand units in the last two decades, but we're nowhere near close to where we need to be because the problem has gotten worse. It just, it feels like we're in this, this loop. Yeah, I agree with you. That's, that's why I think it's so important to do, you know, what you did with Cabrini Green to do this Abla story. I hope to continue my reporting on this. This is not just about this specific plan or these specific sites. This is about making sure that um, you know the city is considering all of its residents and considering uh, growth models and, and plans for the future that ensure you know a diverse and safe and healthy environment for a wide range of people, um, not just for people who can afford to get access to elected officials. 
Mig Dumkey is a reporter with ProPublica. Thank you so much for coming on CityCast Chicago today. Thanks for having me on. Great conversation. Keep up the good work. The city has authorized financing for 200 housing units at the former Abla Homes, and construction is set to start this year. But even with the new units, the city still isn't halfway to what it promised. Before I let you go, a little bit of news, y'all. Trans icon and activist Gloria Allen, a.k.a. Mama Gloria, has died at the age of 76. We had the great fortune of talking with Mama Gloria back in December about her life in Chicago and the evolution and importance of fighting for trans lives. We'll drop a link for you in the show notes. We're still in for some extreme weather this week. After 84 mile per hour winds and storms Monday night, it's going to feel like 100 degrees again today. We got resources in the newsletter for battling the heat. You can subscribe at chicago.citycast.fm slash newsletter. There's some good news to get you through. Not only can you catch me tonight at the Golden Dagger in Lincoln Park for Wright Club Chicago, but this Sunday at 6.30, we're back at Shubas for Karaoke Storytellers. And we're giving away tickets. To win, text us your favorite karaoke song at 773-780-0246. Leave your name, your email, and your go-to jam. As always, I appreciate y'all for listening. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. But spoiler, but spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Did it sound okay? Felt like it got mouthy. It was like, spoiler, spoiler alert. It's not for housing.